You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer are both joining you today, although not uh, both in the same place. Uh, Literal social distancing of about 50-some miles uh, separating us right now, but uh, we're grateful that wherever you are, whatever you're up to, that you're joining us. Now, did you know that one of the ways you can listen to RPR is via our app? If you don't have it, head to the App Store on your phone and search for Real Presence Radio. Once you have it, you can listen to great daily programming like Real Presence Live, find the daily podcasts if you happen to miss a show, reflect on the daily Mass readings, submit a prayer request, and even become a part of this family if the Lord is calling you to donate. So we invite you, if you haven't done so yet, to take a moment and download that app. And also remember that we broadcast uh, encore presentations of the Real Presence Live programs on Saturdays, beginning with the Monday show at 6 a.m. Central, 5 a.m. Mountain Time, and continuing consecutively throughout the day. So we have with us now from the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, Peter Martin. Uh, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thanks very much. Good morning, Father. It's great to have you with us. Um, before we begin with the interview, uh, if you could just uh, orient our, us a little bit to you, uh, tell us about uh, the work that you do there. Absolutely. So I'm the director of the Offices of Faith Formation and Life, Marriage, and Family for the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. I'm a father of eight children and uh, happily married to my wife almost 19 years. Wow, bless your heart. Uh, that, that's wonderful. And uh, uh, the, the house maybe is seeming a little bit smaller uh, <laughs> than, yeah, than, than well, usual during these times. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not used to working here. We're a homeschool family, so they're always here, but it's new having me here. So I'm stuck down here in the basement. I uh, keep the door locked to try to keep the kids out, but... Uh, they still find their way in. <laughs> Very good, yes. So what we're uh, going to be visiting about here is one of the really hallmarks of uh, the pontificate of Pope John Paul II, St. Pope John Paul II, who uh, served as the uh, Vicar of Christ from 1978 to 2005. In fact, today is the 50th anniversary of his passing, and uh, on March 25th, 1995, uh, he issued the uh, encyclical, The Gospel of Life. So can you just begin by telling us a little bit about that work, uh, Evangelium Vitae? Absolutely. So this was his 11th encyclical, and it was a result of a meeting of a college of cardinals who, in 1991, realized that the society, the culture that we live in, was starting to uh, veer away from an overall dignity of human life, and they saw that the cultural turning point was this idea of moral relativism. So no longer were there basic values such as the value of a basic human right. So they asked the Holy Father if he would write on this, and so after years of collaborating with the bishops of the world, he wrote uh, a 48,000-word encyclical called The Gospel of Life. The prolific and voluminous amount of uh, writings whether it be, you know, homilies, messages, encyclicals, various addresses, things like that. I once heard a statistic that the amount of words would be equal to 20 Bibles. So if you were to yeah. imagine a bookshelf with 20 Bibles and that you've got right. that amount of, of the works of uh, Pope John, Pope St. John Paul II. Uh, Father yeah. Leffer, go ahead and chime in. Yeah, so 
What What do you think is the? I mean, there's so much in that document, but if if you could, what what is the the heart of it? What is the most important thing that he was trying to get across to us at that time, and and is it still relevant today? Yeah, absolutely. So this is where we get the phrase "the culture of death." So the first thing JP two does is he he shows all the pitfalls of the culture. Number one, that there's a focus on materialism and a focus on pleasure over the respect for those who are weak. And then uh, this ends with people considering life worthwhile only to the extent that it's productive or enjoyable. And that uh, to that idea, the idea of suffering is, is futile in the world's view. And so, so sadly, he, he starts it off on a negative note, but then he moves forward to, to say that, you know, this is a perennial conflict of life and death, and throughout all of Scripture we saw this, Cain and Abel, Herod killing the innocents, and, and ending with uh, Revelation's dragon waiting to the, devour the woman's child. So it, it's not uncommon that life um, would be held uh, in such a poor esteem, but he shows that God, the author of life, points out the value by sending his only son into the world, not only to show us how to live, but to offer us eternal life. And so he really points to that idea that life is a gift, and it's a gift because it's given to us from God. And it's our responsibility then to care for that gift. And so, yeah, the, the relevance is all the more important today, and we have uh, a great responsibility to bring forth a culture of life. Uh, one of the things I appreciate, just being a, a family man, uh, and, and both professionally and personally, is that he says that the family should be the focus of the society, and the family would be the sanctuary of life. This is where uh, he would call it a school of love, where we are taught to love and mm-hmm. to respect those, especially those who are most in need those who are suffering. A school of human enrichment, I think, is one of those things, too. Yep. Go ahead, Father. Father Gross, I were in seminary at that time, and it really had a tremendous impact on us. Do you remember how, uh, Doctor, how how was it received by the public? How was it received by the church? How did, what did they say at the time when he released this encyclical? Yeah, this was uh, a almost a rare occurrence where he got applause from throughout the world, even the media that would typically scoff at a papal, uh, papal encyclical praised JP2 for having written such a thing. It, and and what, what caused such surprise um, was not only this praise throughout, it, both in the Church and outside of the Church, what, what was beautiful was that people praised him for his leadership. I think, um, in the end, obviously, this, this encyclical touches on hot topics such as abortion, euthanasia, uh, and, and he points out, and he doesn't mince words, he, he um, deliberately opposes these evils and calls them out. Uh, but I think people could appreciate that this was certainly... Um, his ball field. This was where he should be speaking out. Uh, so yeah, there was, that was a, a, a surprising um, 
immediate reaction was that even the uh, secular media saw this as a value. And I think it just points to the fact that all of us, in our heart of hearts, recognize that we are dignified. There's something to us. There's something more to us than, than dollars and cents, than what we can uh, bring to the world, financially speaking, or, or you know, productively. Mm-hmm. Well, for those who are just uh, tuning in here to Real Presence Live, we have Peter Martin uh, on the line with us from the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, uh, sheltering in place at home, I suppose, to be more specific, as we're talking about this uh, landmark encyclical uh, Evangelium Vitae from Pope St. John Paul II. And you look at the life of uh, Karl Wojtyla, um, how there was such adversity, you know, the the courage it took to uh, go through the seminary in the underground sort of format during Nazi occupation in Krakow, um, the, uh, the the ways in which he was contending with the uh, communist regime uh, up until the time that he was uh, elected as uh, the Holy Father in 1978. Can you just speak maybe, uh, Peter, a little bit about that um, dimension of courage that, uh, you know, and how that really impacted uh, his teachings when it comes to uh, the gospel of life? Yeah, absolutely. So George Weigel wrote the biography entitled The Witness to Hope, and that's uh, essentially what he was to so many of us who got to see him, who got to know him. Uh, And in particular, when we talk about this gospel of life, here's a man who lived it, and all the way to his dying day, uh, like you said, it's the 15th anniversary of his death today, uh, for those of us who saw him uh, struggling uh, towards the end of life, you know, it was it was truly a witness to that gospel of life, that recognition that I had dignity to the very end. And I remember afterwards how many elderly would watch him and be focused on him because they gave him, or they he gave them hope. He gave them courage to live uh, boldly even though, uh, you know, towards the end of his life, due to the the disease that he had, oftentimes he would drool and he wasn't able to control uh, one side of his mouth. And so, you know, even moving around was difficult for him, but it never slowed him down. He was always courageous in preaching the gospel of life, even to the, you know, chagrin of those who were trying to keep him healthy. They, They tried to keep him mm-hmm. from traveling so much, but he said, no, this is this is what I've been called to do. And what great he did in the world, especially in terms of witnessing to this beautiful gospel of life. Yes, and also when you think about the various travels that uh, there was any number of different places, uh, one of the anecdotes that famously is uh, recorded in Weigel's uh, biography, Witness to Hope, was, for example, coming to uh, various Central American nations, especially Nicaragua in the 1980s, and all of the uh, political unrest there, and uh, being able to just stand firm in the midst of that and to uh, declare the, the value, the intrinsic value of the gift of human life in the face of uh, totalitarian regimes that were so often, um, you know, uh, discounting and discrediting that value. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, this was this was the way that he was able to overcome communism by preaching this gospel of life by by recognizing what true human freedom was, 
it was told that at the homily, he uh, paused while the Polish people during his visit uh, chanted, we want God. Uh, you can correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but I believe they said, we yeah. want God. Yeah, in his first visit and, uh, in uh, the summer yeah. of 79, yep. Right. For some uh, some on. 15 minutes, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. For 15 minutes, can you imagine? <laughs> that yeah. That is a long amount of time. You know, we, we get very fidgety. Sorry, Father, but, you know, in, in the pews, we get very fidgety if, if Father goes on that long for the homily. But, <laughs> it, you know, he, and he allowed it, and he allowed it because he knew that this is what they needed. They needed to right. recognize their dignity as human persons. And mm-hmm. to know what it means to be fully alive is to be fully free. And under that sort of regime, they obviously were not free. And he allowed that um, catharsis yep. to take place amongst those people. What a beautiful witness. It's up to us to continue to impart those lessons to the generations to come, especially of your children's generation, about uh, uh Pope St. John Paul II, St. John Paul the Great. So, Peter Martin, thank you very much for spending some time with us, and uh, uh, we uh, ask God's blessings and protection upon you and your family. Thank you very much. All right. Well, up next, join us as we call out to our Blessed Mother in the recitation of the Most Holy Rosary as we ask for her motherly intercession in this time of trial and suffering. Real Presence Live returns after the break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 